Um, today we're back with an athlete spotlight. We have James Booth. James James is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, a uh, fight to win a competitor and veteran, and a coach at uh, Grindhouse MMA. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so wanted to dive right in um, about talk about your uh, jujitsu journey because uh, I think everyone's is a little bit unique uh, and uh, to gain a, a black belt is you know no small feat takes a long time. Um, so how did you get started? Where did you you know first pick up Brazilian jujitsu? Well, I uh, originally got started. I just was really interested in like MMA, watching UFC, all those you know watching Chuck Liddell you know, all those type things. And I guess my first ever experience looking at anything jujitsu wise was playing the UFC video game back in like 2009. So that taught me like, get to the mount as quick as you can. That's the most important position. And, you know, so then I eventually started training. Um, I first started out at a, a small gym in Northeast Philly. It's not around anymore. It was called Rocco's Mixed Martial Arts. And it mostly a no-gi gym. Um, it's kind of, you know, everyone was just kind of go as hard as you possibly can <laughs> wasn't as much focused on technique but uh originally i wanted to fight mma and i used to spar because i had you know a little bit of a karate kickboxing background but i didn't want to go to the class and actually like train i just wanted to go straight to sparring so then uh i was i would do pretty well because i'm six foot five and uh you know people couldn't really hit me very well and then eventually i actually got hit pretty hard once and uh you know wasn't wearing headgear and broke my nose so I had to take a little break from the kickboxing side and just was grappling and then fell in love with jiu-jitsu. So um, I started training under Daniel later on when he moved to Philadelphia and, you know, got my black belt from Daniel. I was uh, him, Padre Ambrosi, Marcelo Cruz, they were these, and Sadeco. Um, all these Brazilians that, you know, were training together and uh, the bigger ones would use me to get in shape. And that's, you know, how I uh, was it like a purple belt getting beat up by black belts every night for a few hours. Yeah. And that's kind of, uh, you say, that's funny you say that there's a, like a point in your jujitsu journey, right? Where you're, you, you hit certain levels where you think you're doing really well. And then those higher level belts kind of feel that you're going hard with them and they're like, Oh, not so fast. Um, did, yeah. and you being six, five, did you, did you feel that a lot where you'd be like, Oh, I think I'm doing really well. And then these black belts just come in and kind of steamroll you in a roll. Yeah. So like, I mean, as a white belt, I would tap out like all the way up to black belt, but it was just cause I was an athlete. Like I had just finished playing college basketball. I was in great shape. I would still play basketball and, you know, stuff. So I was always in good cardio shape and I would just wear guys out. I mean, I was six, five, 230 pounds and you know, most jujitsu guys, like you find like the best guys are either like jujitsu nerds or like, you know, where they're not like super athletes or, you know, things like that. And yeah, I'd beat a lot of guys. But then when I came against like legit black belts that were my size and had accomplished a lot, like Daniel used to beat the brakes off me. Like it was so bad. And then he, uh, at first it was just Daniel beat me up and I was a purple belt. And I mean, he would just beat me up for like two hours and you know, then he'd just be telling me to keep coming, just to keep him getting him in shape. So uh, I was kind of just like his dummy, but it helped me get a lot better. And then he brought uh, one of his Brazilian 
students, Hadre Ambrosio from Pittsburgh, and he was recovering from shoulder surgery. He was a really good black belt. And once again, he was like, James, I need you to get him in shape. And then Hadre would beat me up, and then Daniel would beat me up. And then he kept bringing more Brazilians that were black belts, like and uh, Marcelo Cruz, and they would just, you know. But once I would do tournaments, it was easy. I remember I did uh, the Abu Dhabi Gi Trials as a purple belt. And it was like fighting purple belts was so easy compared to fighting these world-class black belts that, you know, I easily won the tournament. I was hurt. So it was, uh, but it was just so much easier than, you know, going against those guys. And, you know, there comes a, also a time, and I notice it with a, a lot of our um, bigger guys where you start and you're like, I'm really strong. I'm really athletic. I'm going to use all of that. And then you get yes. to a point where, somebody else is as strong and as athletic as you are, but their technique is better. Uh, can you remember a time when you were like, I got to start using more technique and stop muscle and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. And I mean, you, what happens is you start second guessing yourself. I remember I'd be rolling against Daniel and I just like could not figure out how he would just always beat me. And I would just try to jump from move to move, but like not commit to anything. And he's like, you're showing you know a lot of jiu-jitsu, but you're, like, scared to commit anything. And I was like, yeah, because, like, you're going to beat me again. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, you know, I focused on getting good at, like, a few certain things and then building off of that and have my A game and, you know. But, yeah, and then it's nice because you can go back to using strength when you're in a bad spot occasionally. So that, uh, you know, I try to mostly use my legs a lot, and then it keeps my arms from getting fatigued and then, you know, start bringing the arms in last minute. And, you know, with, with competition in general, um, you know, you're usually competing against people that are around the same weight as you. Uh, yeah. So when you said you first started competing, um, not that, you know, competition's easy, but compared to with who you were rolling with, you know, that competition kind of felt um, maybe subpar. Uh, yeah. did, you, did you then seek out, you know, harder competitions, tougher competition in, in general in terms of who you were you know looking for is that when you started going to fight to win or you know where did that competitive mindset come from when you were going into these tournaments so to be honest my first year of jiu-jitsu I really didn't learn very much and I just like kind of would go out there and wing it mm -hmm. and you know my first couple tournaments I took like a lot of second places a lot of third but I also was competing at like expert really early on as a white belt so you know I you know win my first match against like a blue belt and then fight like a brown belt and then lose because I just didn't really even grasp the concept of like how to win fully. Like I just knew I could squeeze people and do arm bars and that was about it. Um, when, you know, I, I, once I got my blue belt, I kind of went on a good tear at blue belt and, you know, had a lot of wins. And I, I think I only lost like one match my whole time as a blue belt, but then I was determined to only compete at above expert, you know, like black belt level or expert. And, uh, as a purple belt, I think three years in, I did the Naga Worlds. And it was a really stacked bracket for heavyweight because it was uh, 225 and under, and there was about 26 people in it, which is decent-sized bracket for a Naga. And uh, there was a lot of good guys. So the first round, I went up against a Brazilian. I think he was a brown belt, and I broke his arm with an arm bar. The second round, I went against this uh, pro fighter, Chase Horton, who was a brown belt. He was really good. And I triangle arm barred him. But then my third match was this guy, Diego Pereira, and he was the black belt uh, Nogi Pan Am champ at heavyweight. So he lost the absolute to Pablo Popovich, who was a, kind of a big name back then. 
Um, and this guy was, he was smoking everyone. He was beating people like 40 to zero. And we went up against each other. He went for an inside trip on me. And as we were going to the ground, I like hit a flying arm bar and just popped his arm pretty good. And he gave up complete luck at the time. You know, I was a purple belt and he just underestimated, I guess, how long I was. And, you know, but at that point I was like, there's no going back. Like I just beat a guy who was the Nogi Pan Am champ at Black Belt. And I think he placed at Worlds multiple times in the Gi. And, you know, it was only expert in Black Belt, so I wanted to fight from then on out. I mean, I did a lot of IBJJF, so I had to compete at my belt level. But, um, you know, at Brown Belt, I got to fight some of the best guys in the world, too. I had kind of a controversial match with uh, Muhammad Ali. I got DQ'd in the finals. Um, but, yeah, I always wanted to fight the best guys. Like, I remember doing the absolute for the New York Open that day. And the only guy I was thinking about was Muhammad Ali because he just won double gold at Worlds and I only took a bronze at Worlds. So I wanted to beat him. And, uh, you know, I won three matches to get there. And then he won two matches. We fought each other in the finals. And I got DQ'd for an illegal turn, which was a weird way to get DQ'd but, um, when I had an ankle lock. But, you know, it, I wanted to fight the best guys. He was the best brown belt of the world at the time. And, you know, that's who I wanted to fight. And now you're, uh, you know, you're a black belt now. Are you still, are you still competing regularly? Or are you more focused on coaching at this point? Uh, well, it's been a mix. I mean, got the family stuff going on right now. And uh, I haven't competed since 2018 at this point. My last match, uh, I went up against Tim Carpenter, fight to win. I think we were the co-main event. I won that match. Tim's a tough guy. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping to look for more matches like that, but I actually – Right after that match, I was playing basketball in a pickup league and got my knee tweaked. And then it was like, it took like a year to feel better, to be honest. Like I had to get a PRP shot and it's, you know, pretty stable at this point and back to normal. But it's kind of a long recovery when I wanted to compete a lot after that. Um, and then, you know, life got in the way a little bit, but I would love to get back out there competing. You know, this year was pretty much shot because of COVID. So there was no real competitions. Um, I love coaching too. I've got a really good crew. Um, got a lot of guys fighting, competing, you know, and just recreational guys that are really good too. And, you know, as in, in coaching, uh, I think you can kind of almost see yourself, right. And some of your students as they're coming up and some of the best parts of, of coaching are those aha moments, right. When somebody, yeah. you know, they're a blue belt and they finally realize that a transition is there to something that they never realized before. Uh, things yeah. like that. Can you, um, you know, I always ask this question to, 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 to black belts. Can you kind of break down um, in a few words what you see as each belt level? Like what the, like as a white belt, most people are this. And then at a blue belt, they're here. And then like at a purple belt, like it, in my opinion, purple belt is when people really start attacking and building their game. And kind of yeah. white and blue is almost you know, survival <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Um, but in your opinion, you know, coming from someone who has a black belt and has been coaching, um, you know, what do you see as, as those kind of steps to get to those different belts? Well, you know, to get to the blue belt, like, I mean, anyone could be a white belt. That's just like getting started. Sure. Um, to get to that blue belt level, you don't have to have all the knowledge, but if you just have like, I want you to have a basis, like a basic understanding of like kind of each position. 
Now, if you, you know, can give me a sweep from each position, a, you know, a submission, obviously there's going to be guys that, you know, maybe a guy just has the greatest scissor sweep in the world. And that's all he uses. And, you know, he'd get to blue belt level off of that. Um, but I'd like to see that he has like a little bit of knowledge in a few points there. But at purple, like I want you very well-rounded at purple. Like I want you to have a pretty good understanding of every position, be able to attack from every position, be able to defend from every position. And uh, you know, there's not, I think a lot of purple belts, there's not a huge difference in the knowledge base between a purple and a black belt. I think it's a lot of repetition and muscle memory at that point. So like, I mean, you'll see no gi purple belts tap out no gi black belts all the time. You don't see it happen in the gi as much, but um, in no gi, you see it happen a lot. And, you know, a purple belt could just be very good at one particular thing and that black belt didn't expect it or whatnot. So, you know, I want purple belts to be pretty emerged in jiu-jitsu at that point like they have to have a decent knowledge they can't just have one move that they're just great at like you know just i've got a great guillotine i'm just gonna shoot it everywhere and you know i don't really have any defenses and you have to actually know sweeps too like i you know so so many of my students their sweep used to be like just getting put into a submission and then ending up on top and like that doesn't count like it's not a sweep that's you losing and then you got lucky to get out so, yeah, that's pretty much what I would say for my belt basis. And, you know, going, going off of that a little bit, um, you know, are you more of the mentality of someone who's like, if you're good at the scissor sweep at blue belt, keep hammering the scissor sweep because if you keep using it all the way up through, it's going to be one of your most proficient sweeps? Or do you like people to really diversify and experiment during that, like, purple – blue and purple belt time uh, to see if there's other things that they could possibly put into their game as well. Well, I think the thing is, you know, you have your A game that you use against the best people. If you're the best scissor sweeper in the world, I'm not going to tell you not to scissor sweep a black belt. Um, now, I think you have opportunity when you roll with your training partners who aren't as good to work on some of your other things. So like, I would always use my A game for the guys that I knew were going to like need my A game. And then on the, you know, like, more recreational guys or you know people that train more for fun you know I would try some other things like you know see if I could work a certain position or try something and you know I think you should be well-rounded um, but that's not to say I mean a lot of times the specialist just wins the guy who's just great at knee cut passes or the guy who's just got the best arm bar so it's a mix I mean I think usually guys find out real quick like are they going to be a specialist or are they going to be an overall guy and yeah, it, it really depends. Each person's a little different. And I think that's kind of the, the best part about jujitsu, in my opinion, is that anybody can kind of come in and do jujitsu, right? You don't yeah. need to be a world-class athlete. You know, like you said, some of the, the best jujitsu players in the world are just kind of nerds and they yeah. figure it out and they're good at it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that that gets lost on, on a lot of people who – kind of come into the gym for the first time like whoa this is you know overwhelming um so i always try to give people the the idea of like you're not going to learn a whole lot in the first six months because it's really hard to remember anything that yeah. you just did um, yeah do you see a lot of people who you know get to a certain point right they never had any experience they get to a certain point and then they're just like all right i'm hooked like today yeah. was the class that i was like okay i maybe submitted someone for the first time or i hit a sweep or whatever that is um, yeah no I mean I see that often 
the guys, um, actually, I think my favorite thing is I'll have a student who'll come up to me like a year later and be like, hey, James, that sweep you taught me, it really works. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I know it works. I've been doing it for years. And, uh, you know, I, I get that. And the good thing is like, you, we have a really good environment at, you know, Grindhouse and at Daniels. So at Daniels, like they throw barbecues, like it's very friendly. And then same thing at Grindhouse, like we have get togethers where we have food at the gym and it, you know, you kind of have these bonds and people stay around. So we've got a good crew. It took us a while because Grindhouse didn't always have gi and they didn't always have like a full jujitsu program. But now that we teach it every day of the week, we've built like a pretty strong core of like blue and purple belts now. And then they can give to that next generation of white belts because, you know, you need an in-between between a white belt and a black belt. Like you need those guys to help them. The white belts need to get a win eventually. You know, like you got to be, they're not usually going to tap the higher belts. So they're, you got to beat somebody. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and to get practice and learn together. And yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, and it's like you mentioned, you know, Jim's kind of formed this little family and it's funny when you explain it to someone you're like, Oh yeah, I was just, you know, practicing essentially murdering the people yeah. that I am very good friends with. And then we went and got beers together afterwards or whatever that may be. Um, yeah. I mean, my students, uh, like Matt Natterville was one of the coaches at Grindhouse him and a few of the guys every Monday night after his Nogi class, they go grab wings and drinks, you know, like that's just their Monday night. So that's, uh, you know, it's really nice because everyone gets to hang out and talk about training, you know, like-minded people. It's nice. Yeah. And you know, it does, it brings in everyone from kind of all walks of life. I don't really know a whole lot of, I don't want to say background, but I have, I, I assume that a lot of the people in the gym don't have the same background as me. They don't come from the same area, but yeah. we all have that one thing in common at the gym, which is kind of fun and, yeah. and interesting that we all show up, talk about jujitsu, we practice jujitsu, and then we kind of talk about jujitsu afterwards too. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice. I mean, the only thing that's sad is like with all this, uh, you know, with the COVID going on and things like that, you see all your friends like arguing and it's like they always had this commonality of jujitsu but mm-hmm. since jujitsu wasn't there anymore they're just like fighting where they you know probably could have just talked things out on the mats and been happy but you know you see all these relationships broken just because of uh people not agreeing on points it's crazy yeah and they can't go out and just choke each other and and then make yeah. up and be friends again um, I know it's crazy. My, my wife was telling me I had to go back to the gym because I was getting irritable at home. She was like, "You need to go choke somebody." Yeah, I feel <laughs> you there. It's uh, without a doubt. Uh, so um, before I let you go, just wanted to ask you um, one thing. Kind of like to ask this to a lot of people: What is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's considering joining a jujitsu gym but might be nervous for whatever reason? Um, I mean, I always hear that excuse like, hey, I'll join when I when I get in shape. Mm-hmm. And it's like jujitsu gets you in shape. So it's kind of a pointless thing. I mean, I haven't I, I can't speak for every jujitsu gym, but I haven't seen too many that judge you like before you even get on the mats. Like so just get, you know, the first step is just coming and then see if you like it. Um, you know, make sure it's a good environment. Like if you get bad vibes from as soon as you walk in, like you think it's a drill sergeant and like you're not about that life, then don't join that gym, you know, like find a place that has maybe a more friendly environment that is a slower speed for you. Cause not everyone needs to be a competitor. Like you could do jujitsu and just be happy and, 
you know, I have plenty of guys that are blue belts, purple belts that have no as you know, they never plan on competing and that's fine. They love just coming in and playing human chess. And I think that, uh, you know, there's plenty of room for that. I just, you know, so I, I would say just give it a shot and, you know, you don't need to prep yourself ahead of time. Just come in and see what you think of the gym. If you don't like it, go to a different gym, you know, like you should know pretty quickly if it's just not the right environment for you. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's journey is, is absolutely different. And, you know, that's part of, you know, why I think a lot of different people join jujitsu is because they can turn it into their own journey, which is, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, sweet. James, it was a pleasure today. Uh, thanks for jumping on talking to us. Yeah, um, you know, enjoy your, your time home with the family. Hope that uh, that little girl gets home soon. Get to Thank see you. her at your house. Um, you know, we'll be thinking about you. And hopefully I'll be able to get some rounds down in uh, at Grindhouse. I know that you got some, some studs down there that you train yeah. with. So I'd like to come down and get some rounds as well. Come on down. It'd be fun. Thanks again, John. Awesome, man. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.